Frank, 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 it is that time of the year, the largest developer event for Microsoft developers just finished. Build 2017, were you there in person? Did it happen? How was it? Uh, I was not there this year. I've actually never, ever made it to a build, but I'm a big fan of build because I always love all the um, all, all the material that comes out of it, all the videos and all the blogs and basically all the new tech. This is kind of Christmas time for .NET developers. It really is. And actually, you know that the reason that I live in Seattle is because of Microsoft conferences. <laughs> well, this is what's funny. Like, Build was always in, like, San Francisco, if I remember correctly. Uh, it was. And then, yeah. And then this and they, year, it actually came to Seattle, and I didn't go. Hmm. Yeah, they, they, yeah, no, you were literally, were literally a 15-minute bus right away. Well, it's funny <laughs> because I went to the final PDC. If, As I've told this story many a times, I went to the final PDC, the Professional Developers Conference. This is pre-Build. Not like a event pre before build, but literally before build existed. And I was working at Canon. They sent us up here. I fell in love with Seattle and I moved my life up here. And then I actually went to the next build, which was in Anaheim because they went back to where the first PDC was. And then after that has always been at the Moscone, which is like totally fine. The Moscone is a great event, but everyone does events there. WWDC, Google EO. And build, and now everyone's kind of parting ways. And yeah, you know, you know, you've been to the Washington State Convention Center, <laughs> right? I, I I love the convention center. Actually, uh, it's where all the comic cons happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sakura Con, uh, every con. I don't know. Just put something in front of con. Uh, the and PAX really, is always there. PAX, yeah, little penny arcade. There, actually, I did PAX when it started out in this tiny little building in Bellevue. That was the first mm-hmm. PAX. It was super cute, but it, it grew up and got to the convention center. If you haven't been there, we have a pretty nice one. It's multi-tiered. It has a really nice garden and atrium at the top. So I actually do really enjoy ev- events there. And it's actually in the heart of the city, too, which I kind of enjoy is that you're in the downtown. There's good coffee across the street at Monorail Espresso. There's some good eats. You're by Pike Place Market. You're a 15 minute walk to the Space Needle. You're a 15 minute walk to uh, Smith Tower, 15 minute walk to Capitol Hill. So it's kind of like a nice central location. I, I literally used to live a block away from the convention center or so. So I know that area well. And uh, it was a fun a year. It was, you know, this is a crazy year it's been downtown i think it was an exciting time you and i had talked about a project that we were working on i don't want to jump the gun about what we're going to be talking about on this episode however um that puppy got released out into the wild but i Ooh. want to take a few minutes yes yeah, so take a breath take a take a load off frank because you did a lot of hard work um i want to kind of just talk about build in general you know maybe a few you know 15 minutes to kind of our 10 15 minutes kind of like talk about a high level and then talk about the live player stuff that i know everyone wants to hear about but you know what, what was built from you you weren't there you got to stream it so yeah. as a remote attendee how was it for you and <laughs> You know, what do you think of the days, how it was set up and kind of laid out? Because that first keynote was like 18 hours long. Yeah, I, I, I clocked it in at 19 and then I passed out. So I it, it could have gone even longer than that. Now, the, the first day was, um, I, I guess that's for the business people and the stockholders and everyone who wants to like invest in Microsoft as a business because it was a lot of business speak. They were pushing um, all the new Azure services. So if you actually use Azure and all that stuff, it was probably awesome stuff for you. But I don't really use that much Azure. You know, I have a few little services on there and everything. So yeah, and that was kind of what was different. There's always two keynotes and one's Windows Focus, Windows Dev, and the other mm-hmm. one is Cloud Dev. And usually Windows Dev goes first, but they switched it this year. So it was um, Cloud yeah. Dev first. But Satya opened up with all this like IoT stuff and like Azure Ooh. IoT Edge. And they said the Edge like a thousand <laughs> times. And, and then they I remember the first demo was a dashboard and I tweeted, I love dashboards. <laughs> and everyone thought I was serious. I was joking. I mean, I actually do love a good dashboard, but um, that was that was kind of my favorite you, way to start. <laughs> I'm not even sure which dashboard you're talking about because there were a lot of dashboards if you all watched all the keynote presentations. Actually, there was one dashboard I liked. Uh, Scott Hanselman showed that you can have multiple dashboards in your mm-hmm. Azure dashboard thing. So your dashboards can have dashboards. Or wait, that's probably not there yet, but soon. I'm sure it'll come. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Satya talked about some high-level stuff. I didn't really understand it all, but I think the nuts and bolts of it were there's another database out there. It's called the Graph, or maybe mm-hmm. that's a high-level concept too, but I think it's actually a product. Because it, yeah. mm-hmm, it has its own query language. So I guess mm-hmm. we all get to learn another query language. And I guess... I don't know. Graphs. We all know graph theory from whatever computer science we've bothered to learn, but I don't know. Another database. 
maybe I'll try it. <laughs> well, I think, yeah. And I think what he was kind of leading up to was, so there was a lot of IOT things and kind of IOT ifying your business. He talked a lot about sensors. I kind of got lost in what Sati was saying. I mean, I love Sati. I love, um, like anytime that he speaks, especially at internal events that I obviously can't talk about, but, um, very inspirational and, you know, between Satya and Scott Guthrie, um, it was kind of like this long, it was an hour long and this IOT stuff. And I really wasn't into it too much. It was really this focus on IOT edge and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until they played this video. You saw the video at the end, um, which Which was extremely the inspiring one, the, um, that we can solve, you know, Parkinson's, Parkinson's. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I cried a little bit. That was an excellent video. Um, I, I don't want to undermine it, but I'll say I one of my most inspirational moments as a student was I saw another video about people treating a Parkinson's patient. And this person, um, just like uh, just like the person in the Microsoft video, had these tremors. And they were able to... <laughs> these were the old days. And so there were all sorts of probes going into his arms and things like mm-hmm. that to control muscles. But they showed how a computer could help you actually regain control of your muscles so that you can calm these tremors and regain control of your body and that was actually a really inspiring moment for me years ago and that's when i said oh, okay maybe there is something to all this electronics progress and technology and all that that's so cool. that that video was kind of fun it was kind of a wraparound for me it's like oh look now it's a cute little watch you put on your wrist and now this person can uh draw nice neat lines pretty no, awesome. I like that yeah that, that, it was it was really inspiring i really enjoyed it and uh, they actually had the engineer and um, uh, the the lady that had Parkinson's that they were, you know, doing this um, kind of um, device, this like watch device that helped her steady her hand on on stage. And I thought that was really cool, really inspiring. So um, you don't get to see that um, all the time uh, no. out there. So I thought that was cool and and kind of how we can take complex robotics and all these sensors and all this information and, and, and cure something like that was, or at least try to get to the steps to curing it. Right. So, yeah, um, and I think we all like to take like uh, we we all work in programming and technology, and maybe we we're all stuck just doing database queries and that kind of stuff. But <laughs> to hear that you know actually <laughs> this knowledge that you have can be applied to bigger things. Is, yeah, you know. And then after we were all inspired, then Scott Guthrie came out and he's like, Azure, 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 more Azure. And Scott Hanselman was there and he's like, here's some Azure, boom, some Azure in here. There's some apps. And then here's some Visual Studio for Mac. There was a, there was like a side slide note of Visual Studio for Mac in there. Did you see that? It was just like here. Oh, Scott did the demo, right? He he ran it, didn't he? Yeah. 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 He, he, he did it justice. They talked a lot about the shell. There's a brand new uh, cloud shell, which is inside of it. And there's a new mobile app. Not com- There's a new Azure mobile app, not com- to be confused with Azure mobile apps. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, but it's actually, a, it's a built with Xamarin, which is cool, uh, by the way. I, I actually really like this app. Um, people who know me know that I actually love logging into servers over SSH using my iPad and my iPhone. It's kind of mm-hmm. terrible to do, but I love to do it. Uh, makes me feel like I have a real computer in my hand. Not that iOS is real. <laughs> but um, so it's really cool. Uh, I, I guess the whole point is to have a dashboard on your phone, right? We got to get those yeah. dashboards. But oh, that. A, a weird, a fun party trick it had was it could actually bring up a terminal into your mm-hmm. Azure instance. So if you got to do that terrible thing, what did Scott say? If he was at like Chili's or something? Log in. You can do that right from your iPhone now and you're good to go. <laughs> Um, he's funny (laughs) he's good he did a great job and he he kind of showed off visual studio for mac and then announced the ga of it which is cool so that's going to be the you know our new end-all be-all development experience on the mac and it includes some new workloads like unity and azure functions and um, iot and a bunch of other cool things in there but I think a lot of it then, yeah, go ahead. Well, I I actually had a takeaway from that was um, everyone was wondering, like, uh, what's the role of Xamarin Studio now that we have Visual Studio for Mac? Like, Mm -hmm. what's up with these two apps? And I think now that we have this GA, I think Xamarin's finally giving the advice of, all right, time to drop that Xamarin Studio. Come with us over to Visual Studio for Mac. Maybe it'll be a little rough in the beginning, but... Come over. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, it's like if you're super happy right now, like, you know, then go with it, you know, with with Xamarin Studio. But really, 
to be honest, I mean, it's, it's all in like all the hard work. There's so many new features in it, not to mention you have the brand new Rosalind and C sharp seven. So Xamarin mm-hmm. studio is not going to get that. They're not going to get, it's not going to get the live <laughs> player, you know? So, um, you know, visual studio for Mac is the replacement. Cause it has, remember it has everything that Xamarin studio had in it. It has everything plus a whole lot more. So don't be like, Oh, is it someone asked me today on Twitter and they go, Oh, does it have a, is that what I need to connect to Visual Studio 2017? Yes, you need to see Visual Studio on both and boom, you're good to go. So it was cool. It's good that it's in GA. I've been using it. It's it's a lot better than the early preview. So I'm pretty happy I've had really good success. So, you know, it, it loads really good on my MacBook Adorable. So I'm, I'm quite pleased. I've actually never had any problem with it. I just never used it because I fear change, number one. <laughs> and I just I, I just don't want regressions, you know? Like, I felt like I know most of Xamarin Studio's bugs at this point. I know how to work around most of them. Like, they don't bother me in the sense that I've been beaten to death. And so I'm just like, do I want to learn a whole nother new set of bugs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But whatevs, moving on. <laughs> yeah, so I think the rest the of it was just around docu- or like um, databases. There's some Postgres, some more my. SQL stuff, document DB is now a Cosmos DB. There's some container stuff, some other cognitive services updates. I don't know. It's just kind of stuff. That, that, was, I don't know. that was the good stuff. That was the AI mm. stuff where they showed that you could actually train mm. uh, uh, image nets, um, lab, uh, artificial intelligence networks, <laughs> neural networks that can, given an image, give you a label back. So if you find a bunch of pictures of chickens and teach it what a chicken looks like, you can write an app that can recognize chickens. That's a terrible example, but maybe you could add <laughs> other birds, and now you have a bird recognition app, and that might actually be useful. So that, that is useful. There we go. That, yeah, that'd yeah. be good. Yeah. Uh, and so that's just a service now. So that's kind of cool because I, I've actually spent a lot of time training neural networks at this point. Not a lot of time. I've spent a little time, and it's tedious. It's annoying. <laughs> so it's really nice to have that as a service. Yeah. So go yeah. check out Microsoft Cognitive Services. They've got some really cool stuff. <laughs> they got a lot of good services. I have one for like via facial recognition and like happiness levels. I demo that all the time. It's super fun. Yeah, oh, yeah that's nice. so good. Um, yeah. yeah, I think what was also interesting is that after the keynote ended, there was still a bunch of live stream session, but also channel nine session. So it was kind of like, even if you weren't there, you still got a lot of content, but I was there and there was this big hub kind of like if, well, you and I've been at Penny Arcade there. So like essentially like where the big Twitch and Microsoft and Sony booths are. It was like all this hub area and you had all the booths where all the different developer groups would be. So there was a Xamarin booth, a mobile center booth. There was a, you know, Azure groups, there was clinics, there was labs. There was all the stuff that you would expect out of this high level production um, uh, developer conference. So like when I go to Google IO next week um, or this week, I should say when it's coming up in the middle of May, it's, it's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's coming up. It's crazy. Busy time. Um, There'll be all these labs and I won't do any labs. I just don't like labs, but they're there. People were doing them. Do you like labs at, at conferences? No, I, I like the idea of labs. Like if I'm not at the place, like, and you say, hey, do you want to like learn something and get some hands-on experience? I'm like, yeah, totally. But when the day comes, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a hermit and I fear social interactions and I'd rather just go read a book. So that's what I go do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was at a Googleio a few years ago at Moscone before they moved it out to Mountain View. And the, it was cool because you would take your badge and you could like it had an RFID in it. So you would you would tap it onto the thing and it would log you into the machine. and It would snapshot your your Linux like image or whatever, whatever it was that was there. And then when you moved, you just tapped it again and it would snapshot your Linux image. So you could return back to the the lab at any time. Um, and I thought that was super cool. That is um, wild. Yeah, it was super wild. I thought it was really amazing, <laughs> um, in general. And, um, yeah, I, I was like blown away by it, but then I started doing the lab and then I remembered I'm not a Java developer, <laughs> so I didn't really want to do the lab <laughs> for this like Google <laughs> thing. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to write all this Java code. And I didn't walk through the labs. I didn't go to any sessions at Bill because I was presenting. I had three sessions yeah. and a channel nine thing. So mm-hmm. it's different from a, an attendee point of view or even someone watching at home to actually be there because Bill to me is just a constant amount of stress. Like I was just stressing <laughs> about the keynote. I was stressing about this. I had Miguel in mind session, which I'll put in the show notes. I had I had three different machines with three different <laughs> 
devices connected to each of those different machines. And some of them I had to swap to other machines mid demo. So if you're like wondering, oh, why isn't James talking anymore? And only Miguel is talking is because I'm literally setting up the next demo and switching all this stuff around. And they're all my own personal machines or work machines, but personal work machines, they're not like just demo machines. So it's kind of crazy um, to do that. Full disclosure, I got a little preview of that madness, what, the day before or two days before you came over, uh, we were working on something, and you had a backpack just full of computers, and it looked like a clown car every time. <laughs> he, he would pull out a computer, look it up, hey, Frank, look at this, and then he would pull out another computer, boot that one up, hey, Frank, look at this. <laughs> just more computers kept coming out of this bag. It was so cute. That's what uh, happens, and I, I was carrying around, I think... I had two laptops on my back. I had three charger cables in this bag, another MacBook Pro in the bag. And then I had all like I had an iPad Pro. I had a I, I had a, a, an, an iPhone, an Android phone, recording equipment. I had all this crazy stuff. It was absolutely bonkers. <laughs> bag. It was so cute. Yeah. Um, so we we're talking about labs. I, I, I just want to ask one quick question. There's one thing that WWDC does that I like, and that's that you can just get a little bit of engineer's time. So if I have a question, if I've been struggling with a framework or I have a very specific technical question I want help with, uh, you just sign up and you get to talk to an engineer about it, uh, someone who works <laughs> at Apple. So in this case, do they have that at Microsoft where I can just talk to a Microsoft engineer? Yeah, so they totally do like in each of the areas. So they were they were specified into like mobile, Azure, data, and they had all the experts there and they had those around the labs. But one thing that was really interesting, at least in the part that I saw, was this Azure clinic where if you had any Azure issues at all, that essentially you could just go up, pop up your laptop and they would just solve any of your problems that you had, which was kind of cool. And I saw people taking advantage not to mention, many people came up to me when I was at the booth because I also worked the booth a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, they asked me questions and I helped solve their problems. We ran into some Android issues. We got those solved uh-huh. up. And yeah. that's what you, if you're at a conference, if you see someone, just take advantage, grab them, right? Um, and I say, just do, go for it because that's what we're there for. You know, we're not going to be mad. And if you find a presenter afterwards, grab them, see what, as much as you can. If they got to jet to something else, don't, you know, you know, <laughs> delay them because they have another session, but, you know, find them and, and ask them. Good advice. I like it. I like it. Uh, should we move on to day two? Because, oof, day two is so. a lot more fun. Yeah, day, day one was good. It was keynotes and then there was a bunch of sessions. I mean, I will say there was a Visual Studio for yeah. Mac session that was live streamed and that was kind of there was no xamarin stuff so everyone kept asking me day one they go where's the xamarin stuff where's the xamarin stuff i was like "Eh, day two just wait (laughs) you know okay yeah so i forgot about that um i didn't get to see any of the presentations i'm just waiting for the videos to roll out over time they're rolling It, it was fun i think that you know what what miguel really it was miguel joseph and then jb from the the unity um TNT yeah. came on stage and gave a demo of Unity debugging in Visual Studio for Mac, which was super great demo. It was like five minutes long and it was exactly what I wanted to see. It was like <laughs> flying around a jet engine and hitting breakpoints <laughs> and modifying values. It was super cool. Um, and, and I think what Miguel would try to get across was that, you know, Visual Studio for Mac is not just a rebranding. It's all these other things. It's all this cool stuff coming in um, to it. And it's built kind of from the ground up. I mean, there is a long legacy behind it, but, you know, there's all these other workloads. So, um, yeah, install it, basically, because you're going to want what we talk about in day two. But before we get to day two, Frank, we have to thank our good friends of the show, Syncfusion. Um, Syncfusion is amazing. I've been using them for years. And essentially what Syncfusion does is they offer to developers the largest set of tools for Xamarin, Windows, ASP.NET, you name it. And these these tools are these components, rich enterprise level components that are built really to the top performance. And when I mean components, I mean data grids, charts, graphs, um, you know, Kanban boards, like all these drop and drag controls that you can just put into your applications. If you're using Xamarin, iOS, or Android, they have beautiful native, um, you know, user interface controls. They also have PDF and Word document controls. If you need to display a PDF, boom, you're good to go. If you're using Xamarin Forms, they got you covered too. If you're not using Xamarin, you're building ASP.NET or JavaScript applications, they have all this stuff for you, everything that you can imagine. What's amazing is that 
Sync Fusion gives all of this away in a wonderful community license completely for free. So let's say you're a Visual Studio community user. It's kind of that same exact model. So under five users or under annual gross revenue of a million dollars. That's where I fall because I use these apps in my side business. I don't make a million dollars. So, hey, I get this stuff for free. If you are in an enterprise, um, they have a flat rate fee for your entire company. It's awesome. I love Sync Fusion. I've been using them for years. I trust them with all of my controls and charts and graphs, everything I need. We can't thank SyncFusion enough to learn more about SyncFusion and everything they do. Go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict um, to learn about Essential Studio and all the suites that they have for .NET developers. And thank you, SyncFusion. Yeah, thank you, SyncFusion. Did you notice, uh, did they happen to have a booth at Build? They did not that I Ah. know (laughs) of personally, but they will be there. I'm going to be in Austin at VS Live. Um, and I think they have a booth there, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to go chat with them there, which is cool. Uh, I didn't get to actually, to be honest with you, I didn't get to talk to too many of the booths. That is kind of one of the advantage of being there in person. Even mm-hmm. in day one, you get to talk to all these, um, not only just amazing vendors of Visual Studio or the you know, Azure or things like that. I went to Preemptive. Do you know Preemptive? Uh, no. Tell me. You'll know their um, product called Dotfuscator. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. We all know DotFuscator, which ships in the box with Visual Studio. They just added support for Xamarin Android, and they came up to me, and I and I stopped by their booth. They gave me a demo of it, so you can obfuscate your your Android applications right from Visual Studio. And they have a free edition, which is cool. So I figured I'd talk about that because we talked about it a few episodes back. So um, yeah, that was one of their say, announcements. We, did we do a whole episode on that, or was that just a lightning one? Hopefully. Oh no, we did a full. We did a no full episode on it, and I believe it was called. Um, bu- 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 security through obscurity and I'm going to put this in the show notes that is correct listeners right now I'd like to apologize for that episode <laughs> we managed to talk for 30 minutes about obfuscation <laughs> 40 minutes and 59 seconds fantastic yes Um, but you know that's kind of cool but yeah we do love you listeners Um, and also I gave away tons of merge conflict stickers so if you're at build I gave away like 100 stickers Um, so that happened <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, merge conflict everywhere. But day two, I think you were saying, Frank, when I was like, hey, let's talk about the recap of what's going on. Day two was the big day for me. I mean, it was the Windows keynote, so you think I wouldn't be super crazy excited about it. I mean, I'm, I get excited for Windows, but um, I think this year is different because what you have worked on a lot, and I had, I, I said, someone said, well, what, what was all in this app and what in the announcements? I said it was a lot, much Frank, a little me <laughs> and everybody else on the team. Um, so that day was interesting because I was under yeah. high stress and yeah. y- it all happened amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I was just sitting at home. I didn't have to do anything. I wasn't even participating at all at all. But I was freaking out. I've never actually had a piece of software that I had a big hand in be presented at a large keynote. So it was pretty exciting for me and exciting in a terrible way. <laughs> yeah, I would say it was crazy because Terry Meyerson was the one that demoed the Xamarin Live players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, kind of big I, deal. I didn't know anything about him, actually. I haven't been paying attention to my Microsoft corporate structure. And so it was uh, intro to Terry for me, too. Yeah, he's an executive vice president of the Windows and Devices Group. So, um, yeah, he is up there. He's up there with, you know, Nat and Scott Guthrie. And, you know, he's, it's kind of a big deal. And um, I'll just jump in. I'll, I'll say, like, this was the biggest thing. And maybe you can describe how you you would describe the live player app so I can kind of shut up on this. Are, are, are we going straight there? We're going to skip all the other announcements of day two. We're going straight. Yeah, I want to do we're going to do a whole episode on the live player. But I think that uh, I think that was the highlight. Let's just start with yeah. the big bang and then talk about all the <laughs> other stuff that happens around Xamarin developers of interest, I think. Okay, so as we alluded to a tiny bit in the previous episode or so, uh, James and I have been working on a little fun project together. <laughs> and that <laughs> and that was um, an app that you could very quickly uh, hmm, 
boy, how do you do an elevator pitch for this thing? You can de- you can write apps very quickly using this. You just get your Visual Studio, you do file new project, you get a phone in your hand, and you say, run this project on the phone. You don't have to get a Mac, you don't have to install anything else, you just have your phone, and you have your Visual Studio, and you're an app developer now. No more installation, because I think Miguel said it, he's, he's tired of staring at progress bars, he's tired of installing SDKs. Yeah. And that's a good way to put it is essentially it's an app that helps that will run your code of your app in real time and debug, but also do live coding. So it's kind of like uh, interesting to see, but like, think of it like this is there's three things that happen. You have code in Visual Studio 2017 or Mac. You have an app on your phone. You hit debug in that app, like after it's connected. So you connect them together, you hit debug and it launches your app inside of that app and then debugs your app. Or you enter this live edit and continue mode or live run view, if you will, where you can type code and it just updates your view. Yeah. So I just gave what I think was the Microsoft pitch on it or what it, what I should say. But yeah. now I'd like to give the Frank pitch. Okay. And <laughs> That's what I wanted originally. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, because I, I, I got to be nice. Um, the Frank pitch is this. I am so tired of how slow things are to deploy compile and deploy to the device and things like that. When I'm designing a user interface app, a GUI app that interacts with a human being, there is a ton of refinement you have to do on a user interface. What color is a button? How does the button react? What happens when you do this? What happens if you click the button a thousand times? What if you do this? What if you do that? And then just shaping the overall look of the app. You're making tiny, tiny changes constantly to your app to refine it over time. And if you're in the kind of mode that we're all kind of in, every time you make one of these tiny changes, you have to recompile the app, redeploy it, rerun it. It's a good minute or so. I used to say, like, how would it feel if every operation in Photoshop took one minute to process? Like, you couldn't use Photoshop in that state. So I've been trying (laughs) to kind of push this envelope of how quickly can I go from making an edit in my code to seeing the effect of that code on the screen. And this app is my, I guess, my latest attempt at it (laughs) of just trying to do this as fast as possible. Yeah, it's a really cool idea and thought behind it. And well, the live player applications, a lot of the first thing people asked me was, okay, I no longer need a Mac. And And I go, no. You need you still need a Mac, all right? You don't actually need a Mac to use the live player application. However, you still need a Mac at some point because you you know the live player is not going to do your entitlements and all this stuff, right? You're you're not going to release an application, you know, with the live player application. It's not for that purpose. My pitch is I want to rapidly iterate on my user interface, my code behind or custom controls. And I want to see it on a device. I don't want to have to launch a simulator. I don't want to have to like Mm -hmm. fake it. I want it on my device. I want to interact it. I want to feel it right. Touching a touch screen on my monitor is not the same as actually touching my physical iPhone. And I want to be able to modify the values and experiment with it and, and do that. If it's the first page of my application, a custom controller, the 18th page of my application, you know, where I'm, I'm going through and I'm, I'm modifying the values and I want to test my code and I want to do it fast. Um, so to me, it's a major yeah. development tool, right? It's not an app building tool, like a, a packaging tool. It is an app iteration tool for me to get me off the ground running. And for XAML development, it's like a, a no brainer. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so you covered a huge one there um, is just interaction. We're building interactive apps here. So unlike Photoshop, where you can just draw a UI, I mean, what what does that convey? Okay, this is what the UI looks like in this instance. But what happens after they click a button? What happens if they scroll a little? Then you start doing other Photoshop files of all these different things. And unfortunately, that's kind of the model that we have with our designers and our IDEs. They're all showing a snapshot of the user interface given one particular state. And the worst part is a lot of our designers, like I'm thinking back to WinForms and Visual Basic days, like going all the way back, they were always just a snapshot. So you'd have like hidden things on the screen and then the hidden thing would be unhidden when they click a button and things like that. And it's just, it it doesn't represent what's really going on. These are interactive applications. They change over time. You need to be able to work with it in an interactive way. 
And for, <laughs> I, I can keep going, but like Mac developers, we don't have touchscreen monitors. And so anytime you sit inside the simulator, you're using a mouse to interact with your app. It, it works, but it's not a good indication of how the user's actually going to feel while they're using your app. It needs to be on the phone so you can see how will my thumb interact with it? How far do I have to stretch to do this or that? Thing, yeah. uh, those are important. And, and the important one. thing here, <laughs> it, and at the same time, you're also really debugging your application. I think we could talk about the live player for 40 minutes. And in uh, fact, we will next I week, be. I think. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. Okay. Yes. That's fair. I'll shut up for now then. <laughs> no, it's good. I think that it's important to to know what it is and what it isn't. And I think next episode we'll go through that. So it's not your end all be all, but I think it's really awesome. And I'm super excited about it because it is exactly what you said, right? It's like as a designer or as an app developer, I want the best tool to give me instant feedback for what I actually am building. And I'm not building the single static screen in a designer. I'm inter- I'm designing, I'm in building interactive applications. When I touch on something, it does something. When I scroll something, the feedback, the modifying of a, of an animation, right. And, and seeing mm-hmm. that update in real time is something really cool. And I'll, I'll link to the, the, the sessions and stuff in the show notes to so definitely watch like me and Miguel and a few other channel nine sessions but it's it's super awesome and um um yeah frank is is the 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 brain power behind (laughs) behind this thing i you were mentioned a thousand times at all the sessions so i'm pretty sure that and and on twitter everyone um i'm just pretty sure that frank has a hand hand in something of this and it's been a it's been a pleasure to work on this application with you and and i can only take about a a 0.05 percent uh stake of any part of this application so um it's really mostly all frank well, I'll say that James was integral to making, he was kind of my QA guy. Uh, mm-hmm. the, with this kind of technology, we had a lot of, well, it works just fine on my dev machine kind of bugs. And so James was always there making sure that we got uh, continuous integration, actually building this thing. We got other people actually testing this thing because it's not good enough that it just works on my machine, unfortunately. It's true. I was <laughs> so, also the, hey, nothing works on Android. Let's fix that really quick <laughs> guy. <laughs> So, um, I thought that was, uh, pretty, Uh, pretty important. Yes. (laughs) Um, yeah. Anyway, so there was a lot more at build. So just, that was Xamarin.com slash live. Go check it out. Watch the video next week. We're going to do a whole deep dive on this puppy and it's going to be amazing. But I think that for Xamarin developers and even just.net developers day two, even though it was the windows day was a big day for us in general. I mean, you know, Scott Hanselman did day one and they talked a lot about cloud and ASP.net. But what was interesting to me is that there were three, three, four, four. <laughs> I want to go four big pieces of functionality in first and foremost was like .NET standard 2.0 was not only announced, but also had a essentially a rough date of when it's coming out and when UWP is supporting it, which is fall. <laughs> so generic fall, fall date. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, we got stuck on the Windows release schedule somehow. <laughs> Poor .NET programmers. But this is really big news. Uh, we, we covered .NET standard uh, in excruciating detail previously, but I think we were all excited to have 2.0 released because uh, one, 1 through 1.6, they are definitely good. They work, but they were kind of a rush job trying to figure out uh, how to get this .NET standard thing uh, off the rolling, moving along. Mm-hmm. And 2.0 is like the, we took our time, let's take some reflection and do this right. So yeah. I think 2.0 is going to be around for a while. It's going to be the new uh, long-term stable release kind of thing. Yeah, I was I was really excited about just kind of, you know, when I, you know, 1.6 is a great profile, but the problem is UWP is stuck in 1.4 mm-hmm. world. So knowing that UWP is moving to 2.0, I think that it's going to make library creation easier and app development yeah. easier in general. And it feels like they're fixing up some of the the tooling. Hopefully, you know, more time means more great, you know, things to come. But we did a whole episode on .NET Standard, and it's, it's good to see that, you know, there's a huge grasp thing. And there was a Channel 9 video, which, of course, I will link to in the show notes, mm-hmm. where Scott Hunter, Miguel was there, and Tim Hewer, um, who is yeah. on the Xamarin. You know Tim. I know Tim. Tim was one of the original contributors to my library, SQLite-net. And I actually mm-hmm. got to meet him at a conference. Really great guy. He's a lovely, lovely human being. And they were talking about how .NET Standard 2.0 brings in, I believe, 20,000 new <laughs> APIs into UWP. 
<laughs> yeah, well, UWP was kind of a pretty cut-down version, but yeah, it's kind of hilarious yeah. when you think about it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember realizing how many APIs .NET had when I was writing my IDE, and I decided I'm going to have um, document descriptions for every API, and so I started writing <laughs> a thing that built a database of all the summaries for all the APIs, and I was like, wow, there are a lot of functions in this thing. <laughs> Way too much space. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was kind of good. It, it was just kind of a fun one to watch because it's like, yeah, we, okay, we need all those APIs. Hello. And it was fun to have those three people on stage because they come from different parts, right? Where yeah. Scott Hunter really comes from the ASP.NET side of things. And then Tim Hewer comes from the XAML slash UWP side of things. And then mm-hmm. Miguel is Miguel, right? You know, and comes from the Xamarin Mono type of thing. And kind of talking that, you know, .NET standard is this it's not like implementations. That's what's so important of how to understand this. They're API contracts and and knowing that how it works, that anyone can join in on this ecosystem and knowing that like Unity is joining in. And I believe they, Unity may even have like a, a beta of the new Mono support yeah. coming. So Mono's a citizen, Xamarin's a citizen of, of these profiles. So I think it's like a great day just to be like, all right, if I'm going to create it, just go and I'm good to go. Yeah, I think th- this is our fresh start. I think we've mm-hmm. all agreed on the path. We're going to pretend the past didn't exist. Library authors, we're going to all update our libraries, and we're just going to move on. Yeah, and, I be- and now that we have settled that standard is a good name for products, oh, they decided God. to <laughs> launch another product. It's core all and- over again. XAML core. XAML core 1.0. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> So you were excited about this. this I'm trying to this confuse launch. people more because they're oh not confused God. enough. Okay, uh-huh. so I'll, I'll handle this. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, we currently have two standards of XAML out there. Well, more like three. We have XAML WPF, XAML UWP, and XAML Xamarin Forms. Yep, mm-hmm. that's three. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a little annoying to people because we're all like, hey, look, our, I'm running .NET code. All the code works. Why can't my UI work everywhere, too? Sure. And our answer has been, deal with it. Until <laughs> now, <laughs> until now, <laughs> uh, XAML standard 1.0. So this is a promise <laughs> that uh, this, it's, it's a contract. It's saying these are the UI elements and properties that will, will be available to you should you code against XAML standard. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that these different platforms, UWP and Xamarin Forms, I think for sure, um, hopefully will agree upon a standard. And that way your code will, will move between basically Windows and iOS and Android wonderfully and beautifully. Hmm. WPF, I guess, is still up in the air as far as I know. Is that right? Um, no. So what it will be, here's what's kind of cool about XAML standard. So XAML standard, you got to remember, it's an API, a contract. It's not an implementation. The idea is just like .NET standard where they say, hey, these are all the APIs or these are all the names of the elements and to be a citizen or to be part of the the gold stamp certification, platinum, ruby, sa- <laughs> sapphire, emerald allegiance of, um, of this thing, you have to essentially uh, be part of this and you have to implement all of these. So when someone says it's a button and there's a click event, you have to do that. So um, now the thing is that it's kind of right now the current, um, API is an abstraction out of what's in UWP and what's in Xamarin Forms. So with Xamarin Forms, that means that it essentially would support Mac OS, iOS, Android, and the Windows platforms and UWP. So UWP is also going to have this. So if you're building a Xamarin Forms application, there's a cool thing, which is that you can use XAML standard or should be able to. You can't today. It's just a high-level thought bubble GitHub with a issues. But the idea is that essentially if you create a XAML standard page, that it will pass through the element down, right? So if a button, it doesn't have to go through a custom renderer because it's just a button in UWP where on Mm -hmm. iOS and Android, it does have to go through a custom renderer. But it's going to start with those two. And I believe they really want WPF to come along for the ride later on. That's the number one request I think on on GitHub right now is WPF um, to go that route. So that's the idea, but they need feedback. They want to know what people want into it. And knowing developers, we're just going to ask for every single control, yeah. um, which would then <laughs> defeat the purpose of XAML standard um, because then there still needs to be platform-specific things. Like things literally don't exist on other platforms, so it's hard to do that in a standard. So I think they're going to try to take whatever's in Xamarin Forms and maybe build off of that. I'm not really sure. 
to be honest. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's tough. Um, like if if I code XAML against UWP right now, I get to run on the Xbox, the mm-hmm. tablets. I get to run on Windows proper. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. That's a pretty good proposition. If I do XAML forms, I get to run on iOS, Android, and Mac, and even UWP. And, U- and UWP. <laughs> so <clears throat> just saying, there might be a smart option out there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's correct. That, that's the idea. And I think the thing is that they, the problem is that if they couldn't just adopt the Xamarin Forms XAML names because they renamed a bunch of stuff yeah. that are so different than Windows ones. So that's kind of the conflict. And I'll say a lot of people then said, oh, I can't wait to start development this fall when XAML standard comes out. I said, that's a terrible idea. Don't wait. No. This yeah. is literally, no, give feedback, but literally don't start development now. And if you want a beautiful UWP app that goes, like you said, to Xbox and it's using ink and it's doing stuff, you make a UWP app and create a Xamarin native head and create a uh, iOS native head and Android native head with Xamarin. Mm-hmm. Or if you want a cross-platform app and you're doing forms over data and you're doing in conference applications and you're doing stuff like that, use Xamarin Forms. Just go that route. You'll be fine. All your code is shareable. And then you can start to pull in some XAML standard later if you want to for some optimizations, but there's no need to wait. That's silly. That's silly. Don't do that. Just do it. Yeah, and there's something to be said, like it's terrible when your code rots, like a library changes out Mm -hmm. from under you, but these are designer files. Like this is a UI. Your UI should be refreshed from time to time anyway. Like it's not that big a deal to change a few controls later if we do change the standard. And even then when the standard comes out, most likely you won't need to change any controls. So yeah, exactly. So it's a great announcement, but doesn't really change anything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. In the future, (laughs) it might mean something. (laughs) You know what is a game changer? Your favorite feature, Cloud Power Clipboard. Boom. Oh yeah. Boom. <laughs> Boom. So I was actually I was excited for this one um because this is a feature we've had on Mac for a while and it's really mm-hmm. important. It's if I copied something on my iPhone, it's on my Mac clipboard and vice versa. It's probably the easiest way to transfer data between the two, honestly. Uh so Microsoft's getting this and it's getting uploaded to the edge of the graph cloud. <laughs> whatever that means (laughs) so the way the way the apple one works is it it establishes a little local network and it exchanges it over bluetooth between your two machines seems all right microsoft took a more rigorous approach and are uploading it to the edge of the graph network cloud thing and then it comes back down to your your edge of the cloud graph network seems terrible no, nothing could go wrong with uploading your entire clipboard history to Microsoft. Well, it's not fine. even just, oh my God, I didn't even think of that. Like, yeah, it's not only your clipboard, but it's also the images. It's also yeah. anything. Oh oh, okay. I, I'm sure they're good at security and all that. Mm-hmm. So, But it is kind of funny. I, I yeah. think, yeah. I, I, I was worried about the Apple one until you really looked into how it works. It's fine. But this is fun. <laughs> you know what my favorite feature that actually got announced was? No. Uh, so my favorite feature, I'm not actually, it literally has zero impact to me, but I really liked how they announced it, which is that we've always had Ubuntu uh, on Windows. <laughs> well, we've yeah. always, and by always, I mean for like a year. <laughs> Last year, yeah. Last year. But they put it in the Windows store, so it's compartmentalized, probably with Project Centennial. Mm. But um, they now have brought over Fedora and Open, how do you say it, Suse? <laughs> I, I, I've gone through many pronunciations of this in my life, but I, I think I've settled on Suse for Suse. right now. Suse. 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 It's Suse. German. We need a German to pronounce it for us. Uh, so <laughs> and, it's another uh, Linux distro. This is cool because before yeah. it was like, oh, you can run Windows and Ubuntu, but really what it was, it was Windows and Linux. And they're just proving the point by actually having multiple distros now. Because you know what? People, people love picking their Linux distros. It's they important. do. Yes. Well, to me, I don't really know which one I want, but all I know is I like that I have three options. Um, I don't think I'll ever use one. Miguel said he was using it. I don't know. It seems cool. Um, I, I don't know. To me, it was cool because he could, you can type in this command, um, fetch screen. Is that what it is? Screen fetch? Screen, screen fetch. I think. I th- okay. I don't and know. And then it displays the logo in ASCII art, yeah, which I think is super one. cool. <laughs> That's super um, cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. I, 
I've actually used this years ago. Uh, the way NT, the way the kernel was designed, it's always been capable of actually running different, they used to call it like, oh, what were they? Not flavors, but something like that, um, versions of an operating system. So the kernel talked to the hardware and all of that. But then Windows 32, the thing that we're all used to, Win32, the thing that all Windows apps are built on, that was just um, an expression of the kernel, just a variation of it. This kernel has also always been able to run Linux subsystems too. So even back in the day I've been running using the Linux or well, Unix <laughs> subsystems of Windows. And it's just now in the recent days, they've just gone and taken the time to improve that subsystem to the point where it can run all these modern Linux distros. So it's fun. It's a flash from the past, but you've always actually technically been able to do this. Just mm. They just made it easier, I guess. <laughs> yeah, better, better. Because yeah. you were stuck with uh, this really weird version of Unix when I did mm. it. It was not a nice Linux. All right, let's move on to a good one that I actually really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. uh, the new Fluent Design Language, or Ooh. Design System, I see they're calling it. <laughs> Terrible name for it. Yeah, but I love design languages. You know, mm -hmm. like uh, when Material came out for Android, I'm like, I don't use Android, and I think Material's somewhat ugly, but you know what? I love design systems. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I read the heck out of that manual. I, I loved hearing their inspiration, what they're going for, how the layering effects work. Uh, so I think the tradition kind of started a little bit more with Apple. They were the ones that really pushed, like, uh, here's how things should work. But mm -hmm. um, Microsoft did this before with Metro. Uh, oh, it was great. Yeah, the original flat design. Yep, and, it was good. And they, they released all these design docs, how to make a proper Metro app. And I thought that mm -hmm. was always excellent. I, I love the reading these things. Yeah, it was, you know, that's actually how I always got the in for Android developers. This was the thing that Google would talk about over and over again is that um, when they announced material design, it was the first time that they gave proper, proper, proper um, guidance. guidance into actually how to design a freaking app that we put on the yeah. app store. And you're right, Apple from day one got better looking apps and they got more uh, streamlined applications because they told developers how to design it. And they could, the developers could go to their designers or vice versa and say, no, this is how we're supposed to do it, even if it is skeuomorphism. <laughs> and in the world of Google, we actually always had, well, we had a few different theming things that we had hollow design, but there weren't necessarily really proper. There was more of the like, this is an action bar. And it wasn't more of like, this is how you make things correct and, and balance and lighting and, and Z axis and making animations and pulling it together in a design language, like you're saying a design language of re like reading a book. And the design right. Google Docs are amazing. And I was so happy to see that they pulled together, I guess, five concepts, light, depth, motion, material, funny, and scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th this part actually annoyed me a little. This this part is where things get pretentious in marketing. <laughs> it's like, let's name the elements, fire, earth, element, Captain Planet, things like that. It's just like, okay. With I our get powers <laughs> combined. Captain <laughs> Planet. But I think what they're saying is, by saying depth, they're saying, all right, we're all getting a little bit tired of the flat design. Mm -hmm. We're all realizing it's getting a little bit much. Apple realized this also a few years ago with like iOS 9 or 10, where they started adding more and more 3D elements to things. Mm -hmm. Flat is good. Flat looks great. It's very modern. But you got to add some depth because... God, we're humans. We're used to depth. <laughs> you just yeah. need some. <laughs> Give a little bit. Just a little bit. Give us a little bit on Z-axis. You can do it. Um, and I'm not really sure. I, you know, to me, even depth of of how far things get layered down is good. And and I look at um I look at um like remember arrow? Do you remember the arrow design from Windows 7? Oh, A-E-R-O, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, in fact, um, I, I paid a lot of attention to it because I worked on Windows Vista back in the mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. And some of the concept art, it didn't make it to the product for lots mm -hmm. of reasons. <laughs> but um, we had some gorgeous designs of like the earlier versions of Vista, like a lot of that regressed by the time it shipped. And so Arrow was kind of like the second attempt at it of getting a lot of those designs out. I think it wasn't perfect, but yeah, they added a lot of interesting things um blurs with fading uh stuff you're starting to see everywhere apple's doing it now i think apple actually copied a bit of it from microsoft <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and i feel like this version kind of brings it back because 
the the one thing that they're kind of they talk even in the start menu is that like right now if you go into windows and you just hover over things it's a flat color there's like there's no real indication of where you're at or what you're doing and what you're touching and giving stuff i thought it was good and there's transparent they're bringing transparency back they made that a big mm-hmm. deal of there's transparency now you're welcome <laughs> you're welcome here's some transparency um i'm really into moana like moana is such a have you seen moana no oh the movie the movie no, i have not go this weekend and oh. watch moana it's amazing oh <laughs> okay it's good <laughs> Anyways, so they're bringing some transparency back, which I like, which I think is good. I, I'm i not sure if their Fluent design is quite yet at material design. I need to go watch the Channel 9 deep dive into it. But like looking at the screenshots, I'm like, eh, all right, it's kind of, maybe, I don't know. It's like, it's good. It's a, it's a step. It, it, it's just a design catalog. I don't know how to describe these, but like, say you want to remodel your kitchen. You want to pick like something to base it off of. Do I want American rustic? Do I want French exquisite? Do I want whatever? Um, so that's how I see these things. They're introducing, here's a new style of apps. See how they're mm-hmm. kind of gray, but they have these bright parts on them. And we have lots of parallax because people are really into parallax these days. Love the parallax. And so they're just saying, if you're going to design a new app, hey, make it look kind of like this. It's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you go to fluent.microsoft.com, that's what they'll show you. And I think it'll be nice because once they start, it, it's kind of like anything. Once all the Microsoft applications start integrating it and then all of the you know desktop kind of goes into it, app developers are going to want to get into it, too. So I think that that's what's important. And they kind of show off some different, you know, the scale and these different things. And I think mostly the biggest part to me is, is I want to hear from the designers that created this and I need to go and see if they had it. One of my favorite things from Googleio a few years ago were these designer panels on material design and they let developers just ask them questions. Well, they, they tried to explain all the different things and they had developers ask questions and, and it was, it was the designers could quite see why it's hard for us to design apps because we speak mm-hmm. different languages, hence give us all these guidelines um, for it. So this is kind of interesting, these building blocks. And and they have these little short videos of it and kind of watching it. I like the depth one a lot, uh, quite a bit of, that's my favorite thing, I think is depth. And that's probably one of my favorite aspects to material design is the idea of shadows and depth and easily accessing the Z access because it, it is a simple thing to do. And they're not doing this like zooming thing. They're doing a lot of, I feel like this is a, uh, the Fluent is a, is a hybrid material slash Apple iOS slash, you know, you know, it's a hybrid of all this. So like, what are the best elements that have worked and how can we iterate on those? Like, I'm really liking this depth video. It's, it's literally a 10 second video of how kind of things, you know, you're scrolling and things kind of have some weight to them right like things have in the real world things have weight to them and they can scroll and they scroll and they would scroll at different you know parts in in if you have a heavy ball and a light ball they're gonna move down a hill at different speeds right that's literally gravity um well I, careful I, there <laughs> you almost disproved newton <laughs> oh sorry no they would i, I mean i was I'm, I'm thinking like oh wait that's true isn't it <laughs> Um, I, I just had to stop you to prevent the emails there, but you, okay, you were so doing what very I'm, well. What, what, what I'm thinking is, what I'm thinking is, this: like you take a heavy ball and a and a light ball, friction, and you, friction, and, and, and friction yeah. is what and, I'm and talking about. And inertial mass, how yes. do you change its direction? It's yes. My AP <laughs> AP physics coming all back to me. Sorry, sorry, listeners. Oh my goodness, um, but you know what I mean, right? You know what I mean. Yeah, we got um, it. We got it's it. It's great. Yeah. Now the only yeah, problem I have is that they throw they show a lot of 3D in here and I'm not really a 3D person. I think that's why we all loved Metro because Metro was beautiful typography with giant colorful rectangles. And you know what programmers are good at doing? <laughs> Putting text on the screen and drawing rectangles. And That's what PowerPoint's good for. Yeah. So uh, here, I'll I'll go into a tiny bit of criticism of XAML. One of my oldest complaints with it was it was too low level of an abstraction. It was, here's how to put a rectangle on the screen, and here's how to set its color. But that's not really what you want to do as an app developer. What you want to say is, here is a a backdrop for a small dialogue I want to present to someone. And it should be up to the operating system to decide how to style that dialogue. And so that way, when the operating system over time updates itself, your app 
automatically updates itself. But that doesn't happen automatically if you specify the color of every single rectangle in your yeah. app. Mm-hmm. So um, these guidances from Microsoft are nice, but I wish um, they came along with like some pre-baked style sheets, and maybe they will for like XAML and things like that. So you can just kind of drop them in and get all the resources for you. Yeah, I'd like to see how it evolves, right? Because I think we're waiting for the fall update to even begin to get access to any of it anyway. Yeah, so. sure. <laughs> but what I a agree. Terrible I name. Think- the fall. <laughs> Wait the fall for Windows. Update. The fall. <laughs> the fall. The fall update. Oh, ugh. well, yeah. we all know that things fall at the same rate thanks to gravity. <laughs> um, it's very clear to us all now who are speaking on this podcast. Frank, Everyone okay, fifty-five minutes into this puppy, oh my I God. think you know this is fine because there's so much content. There's so much other stuff. Um. I think uh, what's what's important is I go to a lot of conferences and you go to some conferences. Um, and I think that this is a good conference. I've been pleased by Build mm-hmm. this year on multiple levels. I think that there were some good things for everyone. It wasn't too high level. It wasn't too low level. I think that we got some cool releases. I was pleased that it was in Seattle so I could just take a bus downtown. <laughs> that was very nice. Um, yeah. And... Uh, I don't know. I felt pretty energized after my sessions of maybe it was the adrenaline, but there was some mm-hmm. good energy even around the booth talking to developers. I got to talk to some amazing developers creating apps for companies that I can't even mention on the show, but it was so cool. Um, I mean, from a far level, how, what would be your like overview, you know, of what were your feelings really on build this year? I would say out of all the builds, it was just a nice mediocre year, but it was a mediocre year that delivered on the things I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. .NET Standard 2.0, been waiting for that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I've been waiting for this app that I've been working on to be released. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, so I, I'm super happy you were energized. This year just seemed like a nice, not, nice calm year. Uh, nothing was shaken up. Thank you. They didn't redesign .NET. Thank you, Microsoft. <laughs> we're just improving things. So it just felt like a good, solid year. Yes. No need to rewrite your app yet again, I think was yeah, the idea. Thank even you. <laughs> Yeah. Even some of the stuff in Fluent Design and all this other stuff, they were like, here's the, you know, here's all you have to do to tweak your XAML that already exists. You don't have to rewrite your app, right? Like that's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, you know, do you have any, like, do you have any ideas like how this may contrast to, this, this is all speculation. Let's go into speculation zone. Ooh, I love this. Um, I like speculation, a speculation zone. What do you think maybe even for Google IO and WWDC this year, they're uh, upcoming, like they're so close. Yeah. Any like just off the cuff, just response maybe, or like, you know, because now they have a jump on, on, on everything. They have a jump on them? I don't think so. I think the, I think we're in a very mature state right now. I don't think anyone's really doing anything crazy in innovation. Um, which <laughs> no one's innovating. In, That's what I just yeah, heard from Frank. I, I, <clears throat> I got to learn to phrase things a little more secretly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Okay. I don't even know iterating. what to say after. Uh, Would you yeah, say we're, we're iterating we're on things? <laughs> Yeah, we are. My God, there better be a new iPhone this year. I'm so tired of the current design. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know much about Android. But I'll tell you from an Apple perspective, uh, we better as all heck get some new hardware this year. And um, there's a lot of missing features from uh, iOS 10 that we'd like to see. Most notably for me is more powerful neural network stuff. So yeah, it's an iterative time. No one's revolutionizing anything. It's fine. Let's uh, focus on making awesome apps while our hardware overlords are stable. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that uh, my assumption is that dub dub. I think this year's theme will be um like this cognitive services theme like iot mm-hmm. i think still this cognitive service slash machine learning theme um which was very prevalent at build and then i also think that you're you're right it's like how to build better apps um through design and i think that material design will go under some new review and and some stuff and i really hope that apple doesn't reinvent but improves upon what we have because i feel like ios applications it takes a, a a lot of work to to start to make them look really good 
mm. um, compared to, I would say, material design, where you get a pretty good yeah. look out of the out of the gate. However, even Google needs to ensure that that all the apps don't look the same. You know, that's what's important too, is that all the apps shouldn't look the same. They should have the same, you know, familiarity that you're on an Android or a Windows or an iOS device, but we need that higher level language to really express ourselves as developers or designers and uh, make beautiful apps. So I hope that's what we see. Yeah, and I I do hope that Google does actually iterate on material. I I hope... Mm that it gets glossed up a little. Microsoft showed off a little bit of fanciness. There's a lot. Influent design is a lot like material, honestly. So steal some ideas back from Microsoft. (laughs) I would like to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should be good. All right. Anything else you want to talk about here, Frank? The lack of innovation in the world. Oh, my goodness. Until (laughs) next when we talk about the Xamarin Live Player, Full in-depth. Uh, and what I really want to do next week, and we're going to talk about it, is some of the creation, the spawning, the magic that goes behind it. Um, tune into Merge Conflict each and every week. Why not? This is a great episode, an hour long. We know you love Build. So if you didn't go to Build, here is your Build recap in a, in 60 minutes. Nailed um, it. Nailed it. Um, and you can find us everywhere on the internet at Merge Conflict FM at Merge Conflict FM on Twitter, on Facebook. You can find that yourself. Uh, you can find me at James Montemagno. You can find Frank at Proclarum. Um, we love listener feedback. We've gotten quite a few. We're going to try to respond to those in future episodes. We would love to hear what you thought of Build 2017. And if you tried out the live player app and give us some feedback, you know, we'll address those next week on, on the podcast. You can go to mergeconflict.fm and there is a contact form and that goes right to into our inbox. So let us know. Thanks again to our sponsor this week, Sync Fusion. Awesome, awesome controls. Go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict to learn more. And until next week, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening.